Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandevin. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to Medium Lady Talks, episode 22. I'm your host, Erin Vandeman, and today I am going to share a really wonderful interview with author Jane Allen regarding her book, Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Um, this interview... <laughs> this interview makes me so happy for so many ways. The first of which being that it is my first interview with a real author. And it's the first interview of what I hope will be many author interviews. Books have been such a huge part of the podcast and talking about books has been a really pivotal way for me to learn how to use my voice as a podcaster, as an interview, as a host, as someone who has emerging thoughts and opinions. I just love books and I love authors by extension. So I'm really grateful to uh, Jane for really being up for this interview and up for spending time um, with me on the podcast to talk about her book. And um, I'm also kind of, you know, uh, celebrating this moment, this moment in this podcast, which is not quite yet one year old to have an opportunity to interview a real published author is uh, something I I feel proud of and excited about. And I think I just wanted to share my um, thoughts on that moment with you as listeners of this podcast and uh, as people who have supported Medium Lady Talks growing and who have shared it with your friends and who have engaged in um, getting to know me and connection over on Instagram. So yeah, I um, I know you are going to love this book. I know you are going to love this interview. Definitely, without a doubt, by the end of this interview, you will have either ordered the book, put the book on hold at your library, found a way to borrow the book from a friend, and um, I know you'll be diving into this book if you haven't already. It is probably uh, going to be in my top three books of 2021. And of course, getting to know Jane and interviewing Jane is a big part of that experience for me. So there's no doubt that those two things are hard to separate out from one another. Um, This interview also came on the heel end of a really normal feeling weekend for myself and my family. And I'm, I guess I'm also kind of basking in the glow of that a little bit as well, which was, you know, it was the first weekend of ours as a family where we had, I'm just calling it like a busy family weekend. My older sons had their extracurriculars. We made plans with my best friend and her husband to go and play dinosaur mini golf. Uh, my youngest son was babysat by my parents. All of the plans um, came through. And there was no moment where we had to deny ourselves or make adjustments because of the pandemic. There was no moment I had to say to my kids, oh, we can't because of the pandemic. And that was just such a moment of freedom and just 
real ease and happiness and I just can't help but marvel at the the moment you know the last 20 months or so for my kids who are eight and six my oldest two you know that's a really long time for them it's a really long time that they've been adapting to the pandemic and they're doing so awesome they're doing so well you know we we left the house and it was just like everybody grabbed a mask and we all kind of knew what to do we all knew how to wash our hands and (laughs) all of these things it felt like we had kind of come to a point in the learning curve where we could trust what we knew trust what we learned to be out and about and enjoying ourselves um and you know we even went out for dinner to a sit-down restaurant and that was you know just a really exciting moment to see how happy it made my kids to have these moments of connection while out and about in the real world while out of the house to be quite frank I think it did us all a world of good to be a family out in the world, to not be at home all the time. Um, And I've just been continuing to feel the positive effects of that with my kids and their mood and their how much they're fighting or not fighting. You know, both of my kids got to go play basketball and gymnastics. My other son went to a birthday party. Everybody had kind of a moment to be themselves as individuals outside of this family unit, outside of, you know, the walls of our home. And uh, no one got sick. Nothing had to be canceled. Um, and, and that was just such a, such a joy and such a pleasure for us all as a family. And, you know, in terms of my segue to this interview with Jane is I realized after this weekend just how exhausted I've been. Um, this fall has been really challenging, um, really challenging for me and my mental health, my physical health. It's been challenging for my family. We've had numerous colds and delays and disappointments. And when I say the word exhausted, you know, I really realize just how much has felt on hold this fall. And that has made it really challenging for me to feel my best and to think my best and to be my best. It has not been an environment where I have felt great, to be honest with you. And I want you to keep your ears open for the moment in our interview when Jane talks about the word exhausted and her very intentional, purposeful choice to use the word exhausted in her title and to use the word exhausted as a grounding theme throughout her novel. I know that you will um, think of yourself and also think more broadly in the context that Jane is using it with a black female protagonist and the context of the ways in which our uh, societal perceptions of black women, the um, imposed narrative we might uh, otherwise seen imposed on black women or black female protagonists and to really enjoy every moment of this book as Jane has written it with such loving intention for her main character to really create a space in which uh, those those preconceived notions can be shed and the authentic nature of her character uh, is given every um, available opportunity by Jane as an author to to (laughs) encounter a lot of challenge but also to really dig deep um well beyond what I would argue I have ever read any female protagonist 
any black female protagonist, any white female protagonist, um, this character really digs deeper than what I have seen most characters in contemporary fiction um, have to do. And, and that is entirely by design, by Jane's design. So I will leave that as a bit of a teaser for this interview that's about to come. And I know that you will enjoy the very moment when Jane explores that further. Um, I just want to, again, thank Jane for writing this book. I want to thank her for the generosity of spending time with me on the podcast. And I know that you will um, enjoy this book. And I hope you enjoy this interview. Uh, That's all from me for now. Here is my interview with Jane Allen, author of the book Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Okay. Hello. Hi, everyone. And welcome to episode 22 of Medium Lady Talks. I'm your host, Erin Vandevin, and I am absolutely over the moon today to chat with author Jane Allen about her recent book, Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. Jane, welcome to Medium Lady Talks. Thank you so much for having me. Jane, I am absolutely thrilled to chat with you today, and um, I am hoping that we're going to have, you know, a conversation about your book, and, you know, your book is absolutely just a must read in my opinion. Um, but before we kind of dive into that, I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about, about who you are and, um, and then we can kind of dive into some questions about your book. Sure. So Jane Allen is my pen name for fiction. My given name is Janique Seeley. And I came to writing as sort of a fifth career, probably. Wow. <laughs> and my, <laughs> my experience, uh, Professionally, I I started out as a, I never worked as an engineer, but engineering background went into law and business after that, and really had to carve out a space for myself to express creatively, because I think corporate environments tend to kind of squeeze that out of you. And, um, and so I had to continually try to uh, make that space for myself. And when I had an idea for a novel, for fiction, which was so off the track of what you think that you're supposed to be doing as a corporate person. Like, it seems <laughs> borderline frivolous. Like, wait a minute, you know, I, I have this career. It's, I'm successful in this way. I'm making money in this way. And now I want to, like, use all this time to do something completely unfamiliar and, you know, uncertain. Why would I do that? I'm smarter than that. You know, all of these things. <laughs> And, uh, but it just, it was an idea that, that really sat in my spirit. And mm. when I thought about it, it brought me joy and, and also fear um, <laughs> and trepidation. So what I decided was that I would create a space for myself to do this no matter what. And that became my pen name. So Jane Allen, I said, I'm going to do this. This is my way of being an artist and, and being afraid, but doing it anyway. And, um, and so that is how the pen name came about. And the idea for Black Girls Must Die Exhausted was the idea that sparked this, um, this journey for me as a, a fiction writer. And um, I think that is, hopefully that's a, a, a broad overview answer to your question, but I'm someone who is passionate about people, learning about life. Uh, I think that the most important thing that I did to get to this point was uh, honor the feeling that I had about 12 years ago now that I really needed to work from home. Okay. And 
and what I, how I changed my career and my life from that point has allowed me the space and time to do the introspection that I feel like I've needed to become a writer and, and to do what I want to do from, in my voice to, to contribute in a way that I think is valuable. Wow. I, so, so you created Jane Allen, you're, you, you've used Jane Allen as a way to create boundaries and space to be a writer because you had, like you said, you know, like, um, I've been successful. I'm smarter than this, but I need that space. And the, and the, and your pen name has allowed you to kind of, uh, set those boundaries around that. Yes. Is that right? Is that what I'm hearing? That's correct. But I would say I take it a step further and I would say not just a writer, but an artist. Yeah. So, and, and so the medium that I'm using in this space is writing and uh, communication, you know, expression through words, but it's really the space to be an artist. And I was thinking about this uh, the other day, you know, where I feel like I've thought I've, I've fought to become an artist. And the saddest thing I could think of is to, then only create art that offends no one, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the space I'm, I'm learning that part of the, of the journey of being an artist and the role of being an artist is to put part of yourself out in the world or some kind of expression that is then subject to projection, critique, all kinds of things from other people Mm -hmm. that is a challenging experience and, and, you know, things that you put out they may be provocative. They may be, which hopefully they are, you know, hopefully they are pro- the art is provocative in some way. Um, and, and the experience that comes along with that and how you have to, you know, figure out what space you create to go along that journey with your mm-hmm. art um, as an artist. So the Jane Allen space that I've created for myself is that part of me that is uh, fearless enough to put art in the world in a way that's not compromising. I can think of so many ways where what you've said, I have chills right now because I really think that um, I personally kind of needed to hear that. I need to hear that, you know, in my own way, in my own way that I'm also exploring creativity in my own way. So I mean, I could probably talk to you in about an hour about just this subject alone. <laughs> That's it's not about me. This is about you and your book, Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. So let's dive in and talk about the book. And I'm already just like, you know, I I I I think what you said about being fearless and creating the space that kind of moves along with you as a creator is probably some of the best work advice that anyone could get up front is like, you've got to build that space so that it can carry you along the journey of as a creative person. Um, And that space has to also make it safe for you to, you know, put yourself out there and receive critique. And also, and and also stir it up a bit. Exactly. Where you want to be able to be provocative, but you need to do it in a way that's measured because it's hard. And I'm learning this along the way where, you know, you, even as a, a author, a writer, you put your stuff out and everything's so public. I mean, you, you get reviews, you know, there, everybody has a voice. Everybody's opinion is amplified mm. in ways that, you know, you're, it, it's, will come into your sphere. And I think that nobody talks to anybody about how to prepare for that. And thankfully 
from my career in the music industry and I've, I've grown up in entertainment my whole life. So without really recognizing it, I've been around artistry and the space of, I don't want to just call it fame, but putting art out and having an exposure to mm-hmm. a large number of people, people you don't know and people who you know don't necessarily care how what they say about what you've put out affects you or not. Yeah. You know, and how that affects the actual person. And I've seen it destroy people. I've seen it. I've seen people navigate it successfully. I've seen people have a medium approach to it where it's a <laughs> yeah. little destructive and they, you know, so I, I, I think that I've been conscious of that the whole time. And so maybe part of that creation of that space was me recognizing that it was needed, that um, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, a, developed skill it's something you have to learn how to navigate and if you take on too much at once without having become accustomed to it it can overwhelm you and it can be destructive so um so you have to create that space and let that space grow however you decide to do it i mean i think jane you know you're obviously a talented writer but i think you're probably a pretty amazing teacher you might want to think about whether or not you want to, you know, really bulk that out for people. And uh, you could probably teach a lot of creatives about uh, about exactly that, about exactly building that space, because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of instruction to be provided and mentorship and support for people who probably might not think about how that's necessary from the jump. Thank you for that. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm learning and it, it, for myself. And I think that is, that's definitely something I would like to give back as I process it and kind of encapsulate it. Like, okay, this is what I'm, what I know for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I will definitely, I will definitely put that on my, uh, on my vision board to do. Beautiful. Yeah. I'll be, so, I'll be signing up. I'll be right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the book is black girls must die exhausted. And it's a book that you self-published and is now part of a three-part series with HarperCollins. Can you share a little bit about how this book came to be, how it came to be self-published, and, and now is kind of being published through a publisher? How do, why do you think it came about that way? Well, it's an interesting story about the journey of this book. So when I decided, I'm a contemporary fiction reader, and I also, as you, I was saying in my career, was really, really busy. I mean, flying 150,000 miles a year, kind of busy. Wow. And I found that I, A, was not reading a lot of fiction and B, was not finishing books. And mm. so when I had this idea that was sticking to me, I thought about other people who you know, might not be finishing books or reading fiction um, for similar reasons. And so mm. I thought, okay, I want to make a book that <laughs> you want to finish. You have to finish it. Uh, and that feels substantive like a nonfiction book because I think a lot of people read nonfiction because they feel like they're going to learn something or, or, or mm. get a takeaway yeah. out of the reading experience whereas fiction feels more like an escape or something guilty so I was like okay let me make this guiltless but still enjoyable and an escape experience so I just kind of put all the things into this pot that I wanted to accomplish and then um, set about building out the story from that perspective and the other thing that I wanted to do from a contemporary fiction perspective, I want to try some new things. First, I, I did want to center a Black female protagonist, 
but not in a way I, I find that in a lot of contemporary fiction you'll have a black character but it will be described as if it's scenery or something like this character is black and then it just allows mm. the projections and limited understanding of whoever's reading it to then project into that and and then it, that's it and they get nothing else from it so I okay. thought I thought let it be meaningful that this character is has a, a the perspective of a black female uh, in contemporary times and be able to learn something from that and make that meaningful where she could be a meaningful teacher for whomever what what do we need to learn what can this woman teach us and so mm -hmm. in this story with black girls must die exhausted the protagonist is tabitha walker and the and one of the lessons that she's teaching i think there's two big ones one is uh, personal authenticity how do you get to that place and that's a universal lesson but mm -hmm. in from the perspective of a black woman in society where so many things are projected upon this person and, and uh from hair you know how you wear your hair and versus how it naturally grows and all of these things and there those are all journeys that if you break them out and really examine them there's lessons for everybody you know if and for a black woman for example to show up in her their natural hair texture in at work in a you know white space or, or a space that's not you know pervasively reflective of her own ethnicity and culture mm -hmm. that's a journey mm -hmm. because generally you're told and conditioned well that's not a professional look it's going to impede you all of this stuff and then you go about this whole arduous process of appearing differently basically mm -hmm. you know heat straightening chemical straightening or whatever it is to appear in this way that's where you've told you've been told that something about yourself inherently is insufficient or mm -hmm. inadequate or faulty mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's a particular, you know, represent a particular example or a specific example. But the underlying concept is authentic, personal authenticity and feeling that some piece of yourself as you naturally are is insufficient or, or unacceptable mm -hmm. in some way and having to overcome that. So everybody can relate to that. And this is just a particular teacher that can show how she's doing it. So I thought that was important because I don't think in society we're commonly um, taught that you know, this perspective can be an effective teacher because I don't think that this perspective gets centered or amplified or highlighted very much or broken out even. Right, right. So that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, and the other thing was that I wanted to kind of take a strangely reality TV approach to fiction where um, I focus more on character development and wanted to push use fiction to push as uh, real feeling characters as, as I could create into spaces that most people wouldn't go um, in, in everyday life. So mm -hmm. I could use fiction as the author to throw enough fireballs at them to push them past the, you know, the mass of uh, everything's all right, or, you know, I've got it all uh, worked out and right. under control. Well, I've got to push you, I'm going to push, throw all these things at you as an author to push this character past that place and then see who they really are and let them unravel and, and get all of the good lessons and, and, and um, understandings from that. So that's what I decided to use fiction for. So you're like the producer of the reality TV kind of. show. Amazing. <laughs> that's, that's how amazing. I looked at it. I kind yeah. of looked at it that way. And I kind of, in the character development process, I thought about it as casting. So I put these people in conflict with each other and really did a lot of character development. And when I was saying that one of the things that I granted myself was this time of, of 
working from home to become a seeker and observer and a, an, a person experiencing life to understand humanity better. And then I use that understanding for what I did in fiction to mm-hmm. try to see something different and, and show something different and maybe help us all connect to each other a little bit more by breaking, using fiction to break past the boundaries of where we usually draw the line and don't show our true selves to each other. Mm-hmm. So that was um, this book. And uh, when I wrote the manuscript, I gave it to uh, you know trusted friends and family, busy professionals. I, I was so excited that they finished the book and that they were you know enthusiastic about it. They they loved it, and so I thought, okay, you know, my dad was the one that told me you've got to try to get a profession. You got to try to get a traditional publishing um, deal with you. You need, this is too good to just, you know, do it yourself and try to do this. So I, I did decide to do that. I said, okay, I will give myself six weeks, 12 letters, and I'm going to try to see what happens. And I approached traditional publishing gatekeepers, agents uh, who had published, you know, had represented uh, as close to, I could find with something similar and I thought maybe because it was my first novel, I would get feedback that, oh, you know, you're a terrible writer <laughs> or, <laughs> or this is not a good story. But it was really that it was it was surprising. It was uh, we don't like your protagonist uh, or we can't connect to the story. And I was like, that's strange. You know, that's weird because I, I feel like Tabby, everybody else that I know, and this is from a broad range of across cultures and backgrounds and ethnicities and countries and everything you know I have a wide swath of friends and I'm like well they could all relate so I'm like maybe this feedback is projecting on behalf of who they think that the audience of readers is and maybe they're you know I don't know five ten years behind (laughs) where people are and I think people need this you know and and part of what our job is is to help people move forward and give people something maybe just one step beyond what they're ready for, but they're ready for it. And I believe that I don't believe that you have to be a black reader to connect to Tabitha. And I also believe that if you are a black reader, Tabitha can show you maybe something that you don't even understand about your own experience. That's the goal. So, um, so I decided that I would you know, give readers the last word. I didn't want that to be the last word and I wasn't going to accept that and I didn't want to shove it in the bottom of the drawer somewhere and be like well maybe, you know so I I put the packaging together I hired an editor I did all of the pieces that I could identify from the traditional publishing process on my own I invested my own resources and everything and just move forward and put it out and I had my Jane Allen <laughs> pin name um, so that because I was you know going solo into the choppy waters of you know being an artist and pushing forward, you know, my first act of art, basically, was this, you know, provocative title, and here's this book, and, you know, and I'm doing it all by myself, but, and so that, that that did require a a healthy dose of courage and a pen name, because, you know, coming from a corporate environment, Mm. which was funding this, and all of these things, you know, it was, it was scary, but I felt like it was necessary, and I, I wanted to know from readers more than anything, what this really was. And it wound up um, attracting its own community in an incredible way. I mean, people just wound up coming to this book. It started building and building and building. It started, it sold thousands of copies. And then uh, we wound up in 2020 during the pandemic. And uh, 
I, we were all, you know, at home and I decided that I really wanted to keep connecting with readers. And I offered to join any book club that wanted to uh, host a discussion in my book because I knew it was a lot to unpack. I could help unpack it. And I offered myself in that way. And in one of the books, this was over 60 book clubs is wound up being during. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. And across five continents, it turned into this whole thing. I was like, oh my gosh. That's a book tour. It was a, it was a round the world book tour. I went around the world in 2020 from oh, my, house. from your home. <laughs> I did not leave home, but I went around the world and it was beautiful. And, and the faces in front of me were, it was a complete rainbow. It was all different cultures, countries, even through language. It was amazing. And what I realized is that, yes, there's so much more we have in common and yes, people connect to the story and yes, this is important. And I was so glad I did it. And it gave me more courage and, and understanding. And out of one of those book clubs, I wound up being connected to my agent who having then seen the whole community because it was visible, you know, there were people talking about this. It was, it was, it became this, this joint effort between me and readers at a certain point, I looked up and there's this whole, you know, community of people. And my agent said, this is really unusual to have a, you know, previously pubbed book go and be upstream to a traditional platform, but I think it can happen, especially given the community that exists around it. And HarperCollins, a Harper Perennial imprint, got it right away, and and they uh, acquired the trilogy, because it's three books, three book plan trilogy, it may be more, who knows, but they acquired the, the three planned books of, of the Black Girls Must Die Exhausted series, and so here we are today, plus another standalone book that's not in the same universe. I mean, I, I am in awe. I'm, I think it's incredible. And I also have to say, like, I think one of the things that's really cool, as you said earlier, is you really carved out, I think you said 12 years ago, a work from home mm -hmm. type of work strategy. And I'm so, so I'm wondering how much that foundation made this 2020 experience a little bit, um, more of, a, of an opportunity for experimentation for you yes. to reach readers in a new way, because I would imagine, although you can clarify for me that as someone who worked from home before the pandemic, you're not pivoting into the mind space in the way that so many people did in March of 2020. Yes, it definitely was not a learning curve because I had learned how to utilize that structure and to make a structure for myself right. uh, and to understand, you know, what you lose when you leave the, you know, collective work environment mm. and how you need to, you know, supplement that. And then also what you gain and how to make the most of it. So I had years of experience in that way. So it, it's possible that, um, you know, I didn't go through the shock of this, you know, change. That I think a lot of people did. And, uh, and I was able to, you know, say, okay, well, how do I use this opportunity, you know, to grow what I'm working on? And, you know, everybody else is at home too. So, you know, what, how can I, how can I contribute or how can I make a positive difference from this context? So I agree. Cause I think there's a little bit of adjustment and in that window of adjustment, you may not be able to think on your feet in that way or yeah. figure out how to make the most of it. Cause you're just treading water. So well, I didn't I have that. Yeah. Or to see it as a, as an opportunity rather than, you know, I think right. so many of us were sort of like, oh, these are all the things I'm losing from this work from home situation. And, mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, that that space for creativity probably took took some people a way longer runway. Um, right. That's fascinating. You mentioned before the title is provocative. I would agree. I think it's very striking. Um, And within the novel, there are lots of themes of sort of looming mortality that Mm -hmm. I really loved. And I kept thinking about time and time again, I'd find myself, you know, leaving the grocery store and thinking like, that's another example of mortality in the book. You know, um, one of the examples of mortality is uh, Tabitha has a recent diagnosis. It's not, she's not really given like a specific diagnosis, but she's Mm -hmm. told that her fertility isn't what she expected um, Mm -hmm. as a woman who's like just turning 30. Um, I found this to be a really unique approach to your story and to introducing us to Tabitha as the heroine. Um, I'm really curious about what the title means to you, the subject of mortality, and your sort of choices about that uh, for your cast of characters. Sure. Well, I think that the title, um, the, the central word is exhausted, and I wanted to um, do some things around that word. When I started writing this book, that was how I was feeling. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about the layers of experience and what I was experiencing. And it was the, as a woman, as a um, black woman, a, a black person experiencing the layer of blackness in society, what did that feel like? It felt exhausting because it was this idea of the limitation, the societal limitations of womanhood, uh, in addition to, you know, the experiences of blackness, many of which uh, result in feeling unprotected and unseen, mm-hmm. uncelebrated, but yet carrying these burdens, uh, you know, slights, these tears in the, the fabric of my day-to-day experience yeah. uh, that just all together felt exhausting. And I felt like it was important to acknowledge that uh, because I think we get so conditioned and just zoom past and, you know, don't feel into what our experience is and uh, in favor of getting more done, you know, and sometimes you just have to say, wait a minute, that's a lot going on and it's depleting me and I need to fill my cup you know, or I need to celebrate what I am in spite of all of this, because, Mm -hmm. whoa, that's a lot. So, you know, I'm doing really, really well, actually, you know, so, uh, so I really wanted to do something that was an acknowledgement and a celebration of this experience. um, And what I was recognizing that I was feeling. So I decided to use story to take the word exhausted and its meaning on a journey and by the end of the story, have it mean something completely different, which is really a reminder mm. to thrive. You know, so we mm. use this, we all use this. I hear the word exhausted. Every time I hear the word exhausted now, I always pay attention and how people are using it. Wow. And it is, it, it is this, you know, indication that I'm in survival mode. You know, somebody says that I'm exhausted. That, that's an indication. So I, I used story to, or that was my intention to change the meaning of that word and the ultimately the phrase that is the title to be a reminder to that you're supposed to be thriving that in this life you know it's finite it's it's not you know the day our days are not unlimited right and that means that 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 means that it's valuable each moment's valuable each day is valuable our life is valuable and you get to decide what to do with it and i think that in you know the the earlier parts, the middle parts, we can disconnect from that reality and disconnect from that truth and be, you know, sort of floating around in the survival space when really we're here to thrive. And so that is the context of 
the um, the title, the the higher meaning of it. Uh, but it there's also a meaning of it that's an acknowledgement, um, and there's you know character that kind of explains it uh, differently and how their observations are just the context of the weights, the acknowledgement of the the weight of the layers that it it must be exhausting to have this experience throughout one's life. Mm -hmm. And then, but it's really a call to use your life to thrive right. you know, outside of survival mode. So right. that's the, the context of the title. That's incredible. I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned as well, this kind of like early adulthood piece of it. And that's, that's very, that was felt by me as a reader reading the book. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm somewhat a little bit past the phase that, um, Tabitha is in as a reader. So I sort of felt like I had this sort of, um, this few years down the road sense of perspective, but also in a lot of ways, exactly, um, related to that survival space mm -hmm. of, of early adulthood, where you sort of not as, invested in the meaning of all of those moments that add up in that you're not um plugged into the finiteness of those days because of just where you're at in your age and the assumptions that we all make about the human lifespan and exactly. whatever it may be but um yeah I really felt that reading the book is yeah. this perspective of her in her 30s and the sense of just how um, fast paced she's been building probably over the last maybe two years or sort of this or there's this a little bit of a backstory not too much of a backstory but a little yeah. bit um, for those of you who will read the book you know in where we meet the Spain character there there is this sort of allusion to this sort of the previous 18 months as being a really rapid runway for this character and she's really put everything in place to make yeah. things go the way the rest of her 30s are supposed to go and you get the sense that she's done that uh, at, in a kind of frenetic pace, although yeah. perhaps she's not as aware of that as the reader might be at the beginning of the book. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. then she, then as a writer, you know, I'm like, I'm so sorry, Tabby, because I really like you, but I got to do these things to you <laughs> so that we have a, we, we get to learn something from you. So you know, thanks. Thank you for your sacrifice. Yes. Uh, Tabitha Walker. So, but um. But I, you know, the, the thing for me and part of my experience that came into this was when I was in my thirties, you know, people say a lot of times youth is wasted on the young. Mm -hmm. I mean, on the old, on, yeah, youth, youth is wasted on the young people say mm -hmm. that. And I like really to unpack what does that mean? And I think when you're older, you finally slow down enough to get the perspective, like, oh my gosh, this is meaningful. You know, time is becomes more valuable when you become aware of it. Mm -hmm. And but just you live a life that's sort of unaware when you're in your 30s. So I'm like, how how amazing would it be to have the value, the benefit of that perspective when you can wake up to it and do something about it? Yeah. And the the thing that happened for me in my early 30s, my grandmother wound up uh, dealing battling dementia for the last years of her life, the last mm -hmm. five years of her life. And so she was in assisted living facilities mm -hmm. uh, during this time. And so it opened my eyes up to this whole world that's kind of se sequestered yeah. from day-to-day -day life. Like, you know, there's a whole world there. And I would go in and uh, when I would visit and think about, I'd be wondering, you know, what are these people who've lived so, they've lived so much life. There's so much road of life under their feet. They've already tread. What are they thinking about? You know, what are they, what are they, what are they doing? 
you know, and I, and I realized what they're not thinking about. They're not regretting mm. the things that they did that I would be regretting, you know, that I was, I would be thinking about, you know, that's the little stuff. They don't, they, I'm sure, you know, it's not, they're like, oh, I wish I hadn't gone to that party or, yeah. you know, stuff <laughs> with that guy or whatever, yeah. you know, I like, I wish I hadn't, no, they're not thinking that, you know, and, and, and I realized that that's real, you know, that's, that's life. And, you know, that was my get it together girl moment. Like, like <laughs> you know, you dial into your life, you know, and, and what's really important and, and get some perspective and context. So it gave me this, this invaluable wake up call that, yeah, life is finite. And there's going to be that moment where you're sitting in this rocking chair and, and I've decided to live for that moment. Like, are you going to, are you going to be sitting there regretting or are you going to be sitting there laughing, thinking back like, oh my God, I did the most, you know? And that's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question about the main love interest, but because of what you shared about your experience with your grandmother, I'm going to pivot to a question about my favorite character, aside from Tabitha, is Granny Tab. Yes. Hands down. Um, and she is very much a person who has lived a really multifaceted dimension, multidimensional, challenging, probably exhausting at times life. Yeah. Um, and, and I think you did a really beautiful job of bringing us into Granny Tab and all of the things that made her a woman mm-hmm. and a mother and a, and a wife. Um, and, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking now also about, you know, imagining like, that question uh that tabitha has a really beautiful conversation with her grandmother Mm -hmm. um it's later in the book um it's page 215 she and tabitha have a really beautiful conversation um about being black yeah and um i'm not sure if you're comfortable i would love it if you would read it oh sure you have a copy available i do so the conversation that comes up is the Tabitha and her grandmother have such an intimacy of a relationship. They've never talked about this thing that some, it, it's just been an, an unspoken and, and a kind of assumed thing, but it finally gets to the place in their relationship because of all the things that have been happening where they decide, I need to actually ask you this. I, I, I need the perspective of this. To, I need to hear it from you. My assumptions are insufficient. Mm-hmm. And so Tabitha actually asked her grandmother, uh, what does it feel like to be white? And her grandmother then asks this question. And it's not about, um, it's not about race directly. It's about an interest in a human being so much so that you realize that the layers that the societal layers that they are experiencing are apart from them, but are affecting them. And so you care about them so much that you're asking about the effect. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to read. Um, and I'll just read the part where they both, uh, I'll start with Tabitha. It's first person. And so nobody's confused. Tabitha is named after her grandmother. So it's Granny Tab. And then there's Tabitha who's the main character. Granny Tab, can I ask you a silly question? I asked, even though I already knew I could ask my grandmother anything. But this time, what I wanted to know felt foreign as a thought and strange coming from my lips. What does it feel like to be white? My grandmother absorbed my words, took a deep breath, 
took off her glasses and squinted just a bit, which told me she was thinking. Hmm. I've asked myself the same question on occasion when I was reminded of it most of the time by cruel people when I was with my son, your father, she said quickly touching my knee. I'd look at him sometimes and look at me and wonder how we could live in a world that treated the two of us so differently when he came from my own body. My skin color changed in the sun too, just like his, like yours, just not as dark, but believe me, I tried, she said with a smile, running her pale fingers soothingly across my golden brown arm. I try to think, was white a hair texture, a state of mind? I could never put my finger on it. Maybe it was just what we were told it was supposed to be, because I've never felt white. My grandmother shook her head softly before continuing. So the best I can tell you is that as I've experienced it, it's more of a what it's not than a what it is. I mean, I get reminded of being a woman all the time, but being white? She brought her hand to her face and gently rubbed her cheek. Sometimes when there's no friction, no reminder of what you can't do, it feels like a hole that needs to be filled with something so desperately, filled so that there is a something. Your dad, then you, my grandchildren, you have been my greatest something. And I don't know that there is any more than that. We sat still for a moment after that, both of us contemplating her words. It was some time before she spoke again. I never thought to ask it of anyone, not even your dad, whose whole life I watched, yours too. I guess I thought I understood from observation that it never occurred to me how silly that might be not to ask until just now. I reckon I should ask you too, what does it feel like to be black? Do you consider yourself black? I laughed a bit in answering. I don't think I have much of a choice, Granny Tab, I said with a smile, to consider myself black or not black, I mean. Society just looks at me and sees a black woman no matter what I have to say about her. I suppose you're right too, Granny Tab said pensively. How does it feel, I continued, trying to think and still talk. I'd honestly never considered the question before, not while living it. I can tell you that your thought about it being exhausting, that sounds about right sometimes. A lot of times it does feel exhausting because everything bad in society is about you, but when it comes to the good, nothing is for you. I feel like I'm not enough and too much all at the same time. And then other times being black feels exhilarating because Every good thing that happens feels like a victory, even the small things, because you're constantly reminded that you're an other, so you know whatever good happens in spite of. So there's celebration, there's joy. I paused just to think. It felt so complicated. I pushed myself to find more, and the deeper parts, hidden in the folds of my spirit, the secrets. And emptiness is there too, a different kind from what you described though, a need for validation, maybe to be seen, to approved of, to matter as an individual, not just a monolith, and a desire to know that if I do follow all the rules, that I get the promise on the other side, just like anyone else. And by anyone else, I mean anyone else who is white. Wow. It's such a powerful part of a book that is very powerful. I'm so grateful for you reading it. And uh, of course, you can tell I'm so moved. Um, 
I'm really curious about your choice as a writer to uh, bring these two characters together um, as family with one character being black and one character being white. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was really important to think about things in this way um, because when I originally started, when I was saying that I was thinking about what it would mean to have a black female protagonist, I had to think, well, what does it mean to be black? <laughs> what is that? You know, because that's not, I don't wake up in the morning and the black woman I'm like, oh, I'm black, you know? And it's like, what does that mean? So I had to really uh, think, what is the experience? You know, what what is this societal creation? What What is it? And it, it it's an experience of a thing. It's a, and how does it show up? Because it's an invention. Mm -hmm. So yeah, where does it right. live? Right. What is it? You know, it lives in the in the minds and the create and the experiences and the interactions on a societal level and so i had to really analyze and, and and unpack that and and i realized that blackness does not exist in a vacuum it exists because of the creation of whiteness mm -hmm. and so that i also to understand blackness have to also try to understand whiteness wow. and so if i want to um do that then uh, I also need to create a space that's so intimate and so loving that anything can happen. Because in the society that we have today, we've been conditioned to believe that our differences separate us. So I had to craft a space that counteracts that through intense love yeah. <laughs> and, and, and intimacy. And the best way I could think to do that was in family. Mm -hmm. And, and the best way to do that in family, I thought, you know, the parent child relationship has its own complexity, then there's yeah. a lot of responsibility that comes, but a, a functional grandparent, uh, grandchild relationship does allow for this space of pure love and intimacy in a, fu in a functional capacity. So I thought that's, that's it. And I can give, um, give these characters I could throw enough at them yeah. to uh, get them naturally into the space where they have to talk about it. Cause we don't talk about these things. And I think even in family, nobody has that conversation, no. even in a mixed family. No, it's true. Um, so I, so I had to get them there uh, where things have happened now where they have to talk and they really have to go here mm -hmm. and it, and, and to do it in a way that is natural for them because the intimacy and the love is so strong that it, it doesn't, that all they do in the scene is to show up and look for the deepest honesty they can find within mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was the, the, the scene. And that was what I thought um, was going to be powerful and meaningful and, and how fiction can help bring us something that we don't get in, in everyday life, but should have. Absolutely. It's absolutely beautiful. I mean, even that part where Tabitha is feeling safe enough to kind of go a little bit deeper, yeah. the kind of places that she's never had to maybe think about or articulate before in the way that when you approach the story, yeah. you know, you kind of had to say, like, you had to push yourself to kind of think about that as well. I mean, it's a, it's a really beautiful, beautiful relationship. Um, but it's uh, absolutely a transcendent part of the book. Um, and I think it's it's one of the relationships that um, you, you won't forget after you read, yeah. like there will be years and years, I will read books and continue to think about Tabitha and Granny Tab. Um, 
your characters, I think you said before, you know, you really spent a lot of time casting the book. Um, I'm so curious, you know, her relationships are super real. You've written them so well. Um, You know, there are some relationships that are probably um, more front of mind for Tabitha in the book. You know, her boyfriend, her sort of boyfriend, Mark, her friends are incredible. Her grandmother, there are some other relationships that she's, I don't want to say not invested in, but that she's perhaps showing up in a different kind of way, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe you can, maybe you can put those words together for me the way I experienced it as a reader, you know, there's her work colleagues are a really kind of a place where she's kind of figuring out her authenticity to use your words from before Um, her relationship with her father, her relationship with her boss. um, Mm -hmm. Was that choice made on purpose? It, it was um, in a sense. And I, if I'm, understanding what what you're saying and I would probably say well you know build it out a little bit more but I guess in the interest of time I will say yes <laughs> most, like <laughs> most of the relationships that I presented were intentional and and people that I put into juxtapose against Tabitha to give and show and create these things like for example her boss um you know, uh, Chris Perkins, he is this person that you can't really get a read on and you don't right. know if he's being helpful or if he's being a jerk right. <laughs> just, right. and it's just really hard to gauge, but that's important for Tabitha because she's got to now figure that out. Like what part is her? What, and, and I think we all go through that, you know, imposter syndrome space and, and figuring out, you know, what, like what is going on here <laughs> what's yeah. happening to me yeah um, is it me is it this environment I'm in and how do I thrive here mm-hmm. because I you know there's no it's so unclear and so she goes to other people in her life and, and um, that she can access with varying degrees of, of difficulty um, to try to understand and at one point it pushes her, she says, a, a very complicated relationship with her, her father. There's mm-hmm. semi-estranged a little mm-hmm. bit, not completely, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's, it's so confusing. She has to go to her dad and she has to ask, and he happens to have keys for her to unlock this thing. That's just a, a mystery. And so Chris Perkins is meant to be that thing that even, you know, as Tabitha tries to figure it out, it's sort of a, a mystery for the reader as well. You know, there's no there's no judgment and there's no right answer. There's Tabitha's journey to try to figure it out. And she's, and the reader gets to go along with her, but the reader also gets to make their own um, you yeah. know, projections and, and their own journey and their own understanding of it. And sometimes it's different from what Tabitha's is. And also with, you know, Lisa Sinclair, um, yeah. you know, she is someone who it seems like she's trying to be a work ally, but then she has her own stuff right. and her own interests. And so Tabitha's right. is like, I don't know where to put you because <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're showing up to help me, but then you're asking me for stuff that I can't do. And, or I don't, you know, and so it's, it's this, you know, kind of tension there, but trying to navigate that space where it seems like she has something that's valuable for Tabitha, but it also seems like to get to that space where they're really on the same page, they've got to get past some, you know, some stuff They, you know, they've got yeah. to dig into each other a little bit more deeply. They've got to, you know, find a space of, of trust and understanding and really hearing and seeing each other beyond what, you know, they would presume or want, out yeah. of, you know, something. So those are, those are, and, and with her father, I thought it was important 
to unpack that as well. And, and as the books progressed, that relationship evolved even more. But, uh, but I thought, you know, the, based on how her family history has gone and his relationship, her father's relationship with his father and what, you know, Granny Tab starts to, to tell and, and, and show, you know, it, it, there's effects on, on him and there's effects on her and there's, you see those in some of her choices in, in dating and life. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, yes, all of it is very, very intentional, mm -hmm. uh, and, and meant to give Tabitha a journey and to help her see parts of herself and help the reader see parts of themselves with a lot of things that, um, aren't neatly tied up. You yeah. Know, they're, they're just raw and yeah. real. Yeah. Raw is the perfect word and so relatable too, because I think we've all kind of had those kinds of relationships where mm -hmm. we can't decide is like, are you here to help me? Or are you here to like, make it harder? I'm not sure. And the <laughs> level of authenticity with which I can show up in this situation is really like precarious for me to navigate because I yeah. can't make that decision. But I think I can't imagine there's a reader who won't read some of those scenes, especially with the boss and yeah. Lisa, um, and, and kind of, and kind of really say like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's, and that is exhausting. That is really yeah. you know, like so challenging. Um, I, I want to kind of close off with one question. That's probably a big picture question, but, um, you know, I think at first glance, um, this is, you know, it's very fast paced. It's a real page turner. It's sort of, you know, kind of a coming of adult book. Um, yeah. you know, um, it, I think you could compare the plot line to a lot of books with that, that, that have white female protagonists, yeah. but I think like, you know, Jane, there's something that makes this book just a standout hit is that Tabitha as a black main character is really doing a different kind of work. Mm -hmm. She is just doing a different kind of work to develop herself. Mm -hmm. beyond those uh coming of adult books that that are that are really popular and that and that yeah. you know that do relate to that 30 something kind of readership you know I think personally this gave me just a sense of being extremely satisfied as a reader um and in your opening notes to the reader you say that the book is a love letter and so you know you you've developed Tabitha to the point of like just like tactile like realness for me um and, and you've written this book as a love letter, you know, as we close, like say a little bit more about where the story comes from as a love letter. I, th I think that the, the most loving thing that you can do, like you can tell somebody, I love you, mm -hmm. but if you can say to them, I see you mm. yeah, in a way that they know you do, I think there's nothing more loving than that. Yeah. And not just, I see you, but I'm invested in your growth mm -hmm. and your wholeness and mm -hmm. your joy. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to give you the best of what I know about that. That is to me, as I know things so far, this book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I can't imagine a better way to close our interview. I'm extremely reluctant to stop chatting, but I am so grateful for your time today, Jane. It's been so wonderful getting to know you and to learn more about the book. Um, everyone, the book is Black Girls Must Die Exhausted by Jane Allen. It is available now. 
I can't recommend it enough and I will continue to recommend it. It will be absolutely on my number one picks for the things that I read in 2021. Um, Jane, please tell me, when can we expect to read more about Tabitha Walker? There more is coming. So book two, the second book is Black Girls Must Be Magic. And that is coming out in February, 2022. I think it's February 1st, 2022. So it is forthcoming. Oh my gosh, so soon. The story. I know, I'm so excited. So yeah, so the second book is on its way. Um, and I'm, I'm as excited, if not more excited about this uh, next leg of the journey. So. Fabulous. And where can listeners find you, um, Jane, if they want to follow along with your, um, your writing and your journey and where's the best place for people to connect with you? This crazy journey that is uh, me learning how to be an artist. I've done it. I think Um, think you are an artist. (laughs) It's uh, Jane Allen writes J A Y N E A L L E N writes. And that is um, an Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram. I do have a presence on Facebook and Sometimes I tweet, but it's so in, infrequent. I don't know if um, people are Twitter people. Uh, one day I will be more of a Twitter person, <laughs> but I am not a big um, tweeter. So, <laughs> for, uh, but uh, <laughs> but I um, but I do love to to I do you know try to be present on Instagram, and I have a I'm at janeallen.com my newsletter. I do send out uh, when I get a chance. I send out. Um, little love notes or updates uh, to my mailing list. Well, that's perfect. I'm going to go and join that mailing list immediately. And um, again, thank you so much for your time today. Black Girls Must Die Exhausted by Jane Allen. Thanks, Jane. I I hope we get to connect again soon. I do too. I would love that. Great. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I know that you must have enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed interviewing Jane. Um, that wraps up today's podcast. I would love to close with four, you know, favors that I might ask of you as a listener. Um, the first being, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and follow or subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Um, this podcast runs on a a bi-weekly schedule. So I release a podcast every two weeks. And the best way to make sure that you are up to date and the most recent episode is in your feed is to make sure you're subscribed. Um, I know that it's obviously hard to keep track of <laughs> which week a podcast is being released. But um, the best way, again, to make sure that you don't miss anything is to uh, follow the podcast. The other thing is, if you would uh, tell me what you think of the podcast, give us a rating and review um, wherever you happen to be listening. Again, ratings and reviews really help us find like-minded listeners. I'm saying us, it's me. Help me find like-minded listeners out there in the huge universe of podcasts. Uh, the, f- the other favor is um, if you know of a medium lady in your life, or if you know of someone who needs to read this book, Black Girls Must Die Exhausted, then please go ahead and share it with them and um, and let them know that you enjoyed the episode and it, and it made you think of them. And um, that, I think, is the best way to introduce me to individual listeners that um, I know other listeners have selected as a good fit for the podcast. And I'm so grateful when 
a a podcast episode connects with you in a way that makes you think of others in your life because connection is one of the biggest driving values behind this podcast. Um, The other thing that's really amazing about it is it allows other people an opportunity to, um, you know, engage with the podcast while thinking of their own network and while thinking of the medium ladies in their lives, you know, really I want to connect with people. I also want to, you know, help people and I want to hear from them. So I want to hear from you. That's my final request is if you um, want to connect with me further, I can always be found on Instagram at medium.lady. There you'll find my writing, my musings on things that are both, you know, deep and soulful and about personal development, as well as, you know, the light and frivolous I can be found, you know, making a reel here or there, and I'm pretty often in stories unpacking one thing or another, um, and often connecting with people in the medium lady community over there. So I hope you will hop over to Instagram and join me there. Uh, those are the four things. If you could, if you wanna, if you wanna do any one of those four, it would just mean the world to me. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful for your listening, and. Um, Uh, that's all for now. I'm Erin. This has been Medium Lady Talks and I will see you again soon. Bye.